There's power. There's power in this place in the Lord. We've been implementing prayer and strategic prayer on Wednesday nights and things are happening, guys. First started out in two miles from my house. It's the largest drug bust in Philadelphia history. Once we start praying against drugs, we keep praying interceding for the community. We have situations where we see Ali coming and we're believing for deliverance. Um, and so there is power in prayer. Amen? There's power in worship. He's worthy of it all. Let's just, um, <clears throat> it's been such an eventful day already. Let's just take a moment and just wait on the presence. We just invite you, Spirit of God, to breathe on our hearts, breathe on our minds, breathe on your word. We give you permission to transform us as a body, as a church, and as a people. We can do nothing outside of your will, nothing outside of your, your help and assistance. So we invite your presence, O oh God. Amen. <clears throat> All right, we're going to open up to Deuteronomy chapter 7. <clears throat> and as you're uh, getting there, Last week, I was compelled to preach on the, a question on who is your tribe, okay? Anyone remember that kind of sort of, right? Who is your tribe? And so it's a notion of, all right, which tribe you're part of. We're all part of sons and daughters. We're all part of the, the, the adopted seed of Abraham. <clears throat> but we saw that with the sons of Abraham, that there were certain tribes that did not walk out their full calling. And so we took a look at some of them, right? Some that did take on the inheritance, then that settled for good, right? It's that 211 to 212 principle. And those that just completely just didn't kick out the enemies from their own land. And so there was a question, I believe a compelling question for, for you guys and for me to be stirred up to figure out who are we spending our time with? Who do we associate with? And who do we in fact want to be? And so I asked the question, which tribe are you a part of right now? And then I asked the question, well, which tribe do you want to be a part of? And if you want to be a part of a different tribe, there are certain things that you can do, right? You run with people. You ask for assistance and advice. And so I don't want you to just listen to last week's sermon and then be done with that. This is something that should be at the forefront of your mind all the time. Who am I with? Who am I a part of? What's the deal? And so today I just want to preach a little bit into... Knowing the tribe that you should be in. So last week was like, well, which tribe are you really a part of? And look at the errors of their ways. And this week's more like, well, which tribe should you be a part of? And so some of us this last week were getting stirred. We were, we're talking about uh, Tribe 212, like if you had to give yourself a name, right? A fiery tribe. Uh, but when preparing for the, for the sermon, I, I, I was feeling this. Uh, the tribe is a tribe that is, in fact, supposed to embrace different. And so I just want to speak that life over you. That we as a people, we as a church, and we have a tribe, that we embrace different. And what I mean by embrace different is an acknowledgement that we are in fact just flat out different. Peculiar Yes. And there's a power in it, right? When you acknowledge that you are a strange and peculiar people, as the scriptures say, 
as you acknowledge that you are supposed to be different, when you look different in front of other people by your life, it's going to make more sense. You gotta just embrace it. You're different. You're on earth to be different. That's a call. And so when you look different in front of your coworkers and your friends and the world, don't fall away from it. Simply embrace it. Allow yourself to be looked at as different. And when you give your spirit and your mind and your consciousness the allowance, I am allowed to be different because that is in fact what I'm supposed to be, it's going to release you. It's going to release you in the spirit to feel the need to conform and, and feel the need to agree with everyone else says politically, spiritually, emotionally. You're just different. In fact, it's the call to be different. Amen? We see this in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 6. Let's get into it. <clears throat> this is God speaking now. Verse 6, for you are a holy people. Whew. You are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for himself, a special treasure above all the peoples on the face of the earth. The Lord did not set his love on you, nor choose you because you were more in number than any other people. For you are the least of all the peoples. But because the Lord loves you and because he would keep the oath which he swore to your fathers, the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of bondage, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. <clears throat> this is actually, I apologize, this is actually, I believe, uh, Moses speaking. What do we see here? We see a couple of things here, right? It says that the Lord has chosen you, or at least the children of Abraham. He's chosen you for a purpose of being holy, set apart, different than all the other peoples of the earth. A people unto himself. It's like all the other people on planet earth are not a holy people. They're just people. The sons of Abraham are to be separated from the rest of humanity. They're supposed to look different. They're supposed to act different. They're supposed to think different. Why? Because they are to be a people unto God himself, like an offering to him. He says that the sons of Abraham are going to be a special treasure. Above all the people of the earth, they're going to be a special treasure. It's not before because you were great in number. You were actually the smallest of all the tribes of people. But I chose you, Israel says, because I love you. And because I made a covenant with your fathers. It's nothing that you have done. It's everything that I, God, am saying about you. You're smaller. You're weaker. You're actually even screwed up. But your fathers had faith. So we're going we're gonna to bestow that on you. Now, this is, uh, this is the Jewish people, the nation of Israel. And because of this calling that we're able to be adopted into, they have paid a very, very heavy price. Throughout the thousands of years, the Jewish people have been persecuted. 
have been killed, had even been sent to the ovens of the Holocaust. You're like, why? Why? Because you're walking on a calling. They bear the name Israel, princes of God. And the world doesn't like that. The spirit of the age does not like a people who are called to be holy, chosen, separate, and to be the sons of daughter of God. And so the enemy, the underworld, the spirit of the age does everything he can to try to keep that people submitted. Why else? They're, 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 they're not just the princes of God or the sons of God. They, they, it says that they have a call to be a light unto the nations. And so when darkness sees light, right, the darkness is trying to push the light back and even tries to extinguish the flame by murdering six million Jewish people. They're peculiar. They're strange. They're holy unto God. They're a stiff-necked people. And they gave us Jesus. They gave us salvation. Forth from Israel comes forth salvation, Jesus says. Gave us the word of God. And how did they able to do that? By being strange, different, peculiar, and embracing that difference. We are not like everyone else. That's who we are. And they were able to give us the word able to give us the Son of God. What's beautiful about this is this. Galatians chapter 3 says it this way. Galatians chapter 3 verse 27. For as many of you as were baptized into Messiah have put on Messiah. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Messiah Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So we, because of Jesus, because of Messiah, right, we get to be adopted into the household of the sons of Abraham. And now you and I get to be a strange, peculiar, holy priesthood, stiff-necked people who are embracing different. It's so cool if you just own it. You know what I mean? Like, you know when you're a teenager? Like, I was a teenager, and I was just like, I was the weird kid. I was the weird kid amongst the Christians because I was doing like this Jewish roots thing. I was the weird kid at school because I you know, believed in Jesus. I was just a weird kid. And at some point I was just like, whatever, I'm just going to embrace it. I'm not going to try to fool people to be something that, to show them I'm not something that I really am. I, this is who I am. Leave it or take it. I'm not of this world. I'm a citizen of another place. I'm just passing through. My life is but a vapor here today, gone tomorrow. I'm going to go into heavenly places and worship the throne of God, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This is just practice, man. This is just a trial. It's the minor leagues for the majors. It's all good. I'm different. All right, I embrace different. And when you do that, especially as a young person, when, when you absorb that, it's like, psh, all right. Embracing different. Crazy people. A crazy people. 
You're called to be a crazy people. I don't mean like a weird crazy. Some of us, if you go to like different scenes in Christianity, you're like, oh, some people are just weird. There's a difference between being weird and crazy in your generation, right? Crazy. Um, the Jewish people and throughout the thousands of years have been looked at as being crazy. I mean, the things that they've gone through, the things that they've done, even the rebirth of Israel and, and, and creating a nation that is surrounded by enemies, that's like crazy. But God's crazy in some ways. Like crazy as in like doing impossible things. And here's the thing. You're supposed to be a part of this different tribe. A crazy tribe. The reality here is this. The crazy people are the ones that are the ones that change the history of man. Let's hit that video, if you may. A little louder, please. It was on 1992, Apple Computers did a Think Different campaign. This whole thing about like, if you're working in the PC universe, you're the average, be different, use Apple Computers. But when I saw this years ago, I got so stirred inside of me because there's a truth to it. Apple did this whole campaign highlighting crazy people. It was Picasso, Amelia Earhart, Edison, Miles Davis, Henson who did the Muppets, I mean, there's, there's crazy people out there that do crazy things, but they move the human race forward. And this is the tribe that we're supposed to be a part of. So I want to read over this. It's so beautiful. Here's to the crazy ones, the misfits, the rebels, the troublemakers, the round pegs in the square holes, the ones who see things differently. They're not fond of rules and they have no respect for the status quo. You can quote them, disagree with them, glorify or vilify them. But about the only thing you can't do is ignore them. Because they change things. They push the human race forward. And while some may see them as the crazy ones, we see genius. Because the people who are crazy enough to think that they can change the world are the ones who do. Are you crazy enough to believe Philadelphia and Bristol can be changed? Are you crazy enough to believe that Philadelphia and Bristol can be changed?
can be a place that houses the presence of God for the nation. You gotta be crazy to believe it. But what good comes out of Nazareth? Jesus. See, things are impossible. I love this. Like, things are impossible until someone does it. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's always the naysayers. It's impossible. Well, okay. The world is flat. Until Christopher Columbus. Oh, it's not flat. Look at that. But you're crazy, Columbus. It's not flat. I know it's not flat. You're crazy. I'm going for it. Right. It's impossible. The world is flat. You can't circumnavigate the globe. All right, Columbus. Democracy? Self-rulership of the people? That's crazy. The people aren't educated enough to, to, to rule themselves. It's just going to be anarchy and craziness until you get the founding fathers. We can do it. We're crazy enough to believe it. End slavery after 400 years? Are you kidding me? No way. There's no way you'll be able to end, end slavery until there's a guy, Abraham Lincoln's like, we're going to do it. The crazy people. I love it. Light bulb? What? You're going you're to get electricity and somehow you're going like, to be able to control fire and electrodes inside of a glass bulb and then it's going to illuminate things? Yeah. Thomas Edison. The car? Wait, there's something that's going to, yeah, right, replace a horse. So you got this like combustible engine kind of thing and okay, yeah, and it's going to burn and it's going to turn pistons, just it's going to turn wheels. Yeah, whatever. Until Carl bends. Polio? Like, you're, you're telling me you're going to be able to develop a vaccine that's going to eradicate from planet Earth a childhood disease that even left the President of the United States paralyzed? Oh, yeah. Jonas Salk. Put a man on the moon? Like the moon. Like the moon. Like, we're here, there's the moon. You, yeah, you're going to put a man on the moon. That's insane. That's crazy. Until John F. Kennedy and NASA. He says, I bet we can do it within 10 years. We're going to start NASA. It doesn't exist yet. We're going to start NASA. No man has ever gone to the moon, but we're going to do it. And they do it within seven years. Actually, sorry, six years. Yeah, things are impossible until someone does it. There's a difference between impossible and not plausible. They're two different things. Impossible is like it can never be done. Not plausible is it doesn't seem to be reasonably possible to do it. But here's the thing. That there's a difference. Like We have a lot of people in the church across the world who, who are just thinking impossible, impossible terms. Oh, it's not possible the Lord is going to bring people from Bucks County to this little town of Bristol and in this little church that is falling apart and cause an anointing the Holy Ghost fire to happen. Yeah, it's possible. Like, I understand it's not plausible. Like, five, six, seven, eight years ago, it's not plausible. I get it. But it's not impossible. It's just not plausible. It doesn't seem to be reasonable that people that live in Newtown and Doylestown would drive 40, 45 minutes to come down to Southern Bucks County to rock it out in Holy Ghost fire. I understand. It's not plausible, but it's not impossible. Oh, come on, man. Like, Holy Ghost fire. That, that's like for, like, Texas. That's for, like, Northern California and Bethel, right? That's for, like, New York. Not for Philadelphia. Philadelphia, as they said, right? Come on. What do you mean it's not for Philadelphia? Prophetically, it's a city of brotherly love. Prophetically, it's being named out of the book of Revelation. 
I'm just saying it's not plausible. Poorest city in 2007, highest crime rate, murder rate in 2007, not sure what it is now. I get it. It's not reasonable. But God loves to do unreasonable things. Amen? Because when he does unreasonable things, it shows that God is the one who's making possibilities out of impossibilities. And so here's the thing, in the natural and the spirit, progress and change occurs when someone looks at an issue and says it is not impossible. It is just not completely reasonable. But it can be done. This is what the great inventors and literary figures and statesmen always knew. I know it seems to be impossible, but it's not. It's just not very plausible. But we're going to do it anyway. Because we're crazy. Now, we can even get rid of that by just saying this. The words of Jesus. Without God, nothing shall be impossible. So we'll just say this. If you actually think something is impossible, we can either just push that off the table and say, well, funny enough, God actually says that nothing shall be impossible with him. So even if you're like, well, fine, Dave. It's, it's, it's not reasonable, but it's also not possible. Well, God says he can do it. Luke 1, 37, I mean, this is it, right? It's awesome stuff. And here's the thing, man. Uh, we need these people again. We need these people again. We need the crazy ones. We need the people that understand that impossibilities can become possible. That even if something is impossible in the natural, that it may just, in fact, be not plausible. But that doesn't even matter because with God, all things are possible. But we need dreamers. We need a tribe of people that think, act, and believe differently than even our brothers in other churches. Because I believe prophetically the Lord is calling forth the crazy ones to arise. A tribe of different. A tribe that does things differently, that believes different things, that understands different things, that holds the Lord, I don't want to say accountable, but holds the Lord to the impossibilities of the things that he has said. You know, next week we're going to start teaching on covenant. One thing I, people have to understand is that we have a covenant with God. And sometimes we, we have to remind God of that covenant, not because he's forgotten, but because you have forgotten. God, I'm reminding you that it says that I can lay my hands on the sick and they shall be healed. I can lay my hands and cast out demons. I don't have to remind you of that, but me articulating is reminding my spirit, man. Lord, I'm going to remind you of the covenant that you shall go out into the corners of the earth and proclaim the gospel. And the kingdom of God shall reside on earth. Let your kingdom come. All right, Lord, I've got to believe that again. I mean, it doesn't seem like it's going to happen in Bristol. It doesn't seem like it's going to happen in Philadelphia, but it's a covenant you made with your people. Covenant. It's, it's so powerful. Sorry if I'm being a little loud today. I don't mean to. So we need these types of crazy people, the crazy people that are willing to change the world, who think differently, man. And what I'm trying to speak into is think differently than the lost, of course. But dare I say now, unfortunately, in the 21st century, Think differently, even from those people that are saved. Radical. Giving it all. Believe in all things. Hoping in all things. Believe in God for making impossible things possible. Amen? 
And here's the thing. Uh, our father, in a spiritual kind of sense, Abraham, is the one who gets this tribe of different happening. He gets it started. I mean, here's the first, really, really in many regards, here's the first crazy one. He's a crazy one that begins a tribe, a tribe of people that in fact embrace different. Abraham. I mean, if you really like plug into the story, you're like, what? The? This guy was one crazy dude. Genesis 12, 1. Now the Lord had said unto Ab Abram, get out of your country, from your family, to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken. Like sometimes you, know, you spiritualize so many things. You're like, all right, Abraham, Abraham, Abram, I always want to say Abraham, but he eventually becomes Abraham, has a wife, Sarai, that becomes Sarah, right? Can you imagine? Hey, hon, guess what? I heard a voice. It was Elohim. Who? Elohim. Oh, one of those, one of the gods? Oh, what did he say, Abram? He said that he's going to make out of you and I a great nation. Oh yeah, by the way, you're infertile and you haven't had a kid yet. But he's going to make a great nation out of us. Oh, really? He said that? Yeah, he said that. Okay, what does he want us to do? Oh, he wants us to leave the city of Ur. Really? Okay, Abram. And where are we going? I don't know. He didn't tell me. He actually said, I'm, I'm going to show you the land. Oh, so a voice, a God has spoken to you, said that he's going to make us a mighty nation. We're going to bless the nations of the earth. Although we don't have any kids. Okay. And we're like getting old. And he's going to bring us to a land. And you don't know the name of it. Yeah, that's right. Guys, that's how the Abrahamic faith started. Craziness. Like the covenant started that way. It's amazing. So let's get into Abraham a little bit. Abraham is from the land of Ur, which is, is, is in towards the east or to the right. It's, it's in the present day Iraq. And, and, and many people thought like, oh, you know, oh, Abraham, he's just like this shepherd and he's in Iraq and he doesn't have much to leave behind. But actually archaeologists have found Ur. They found it, man. Like, they actually dug it up. And it wasn't like these, like, just shepherd towns. They're actually apartments, condos, buildings, affluence, sources of trade. It was like a cosmopolitan city. So, like, Father Abraham, like, being out in the desert and just taking his shepherds and stuff, his father, Terah, is, they're actually living in a place where it's like the New York City of the ancient times. And you have to leave that. You're not leaving your little shepherd staff and little tent that you want to think. No, he's living the most civilized, technologically advanced society in the ancient world. The land of the Chaldeans. That's what he's got to leave. And he leaves. And from Iraq or the land of Ur to the promised land, it's only about like 998 miles. 
if you follow the fertile crescent, like if you follow the journey of Abraham, like if you just went due west through the desert, it would be shorter. But you actually have to go up and follow the Tigris Euphrates up into Syria and come back down. And you follow his journeys. It's about 998, 997 miles like in modern times. I mean, that's a journey. I mean, how far, like, how far away is California from here? 2,000 maybe, 2,500? So we would say, like, let's walk from here to Kansas. I mean, that's kind of probably what we're talking about. And this is the thing. In, in the land of Ur, we know archaeologically speaking, and even some hints to it in the scriptures, that monotheism, the, the belief in one God, um, ha had been forgotten. Right? They're worshiping pagan gods. So what happens here is this. The sons of Noah, after the flood... Uh, the sons of Noah largely settle in Babylon. You can read the stories of that in, in, like, in, in the beginning of, of Genesis. And they begin to adopt pagan gods. They begin to adopt pagan ways. But one of the sons of Noah, Shem, which is the father of the Semitic peoples, those people from the Middle East, you got Noah who has Shem. Shem was alive from the flood. He was on the boat. From Shem, Shem's son is Terah. And Terah, or Terah, I think it is in Hebrew, I think. Uh, and Terah's son is Abram. Now, everyone's living in, in Chaldea. They're living in the land of Ur. And what happens here is this. People are no longer remembering what happened just simply two generations ago. But I believe that Abram, as a boy, probably went to his grandfather's lap, Shem. Because that's what little boys do. And Shem takes Abram and puts him on his knee. And tells him, I was one of the ones on the boat. I remember when God did an impossible thing. He caused it to rain. It never rained before on planet Earth. I was there to see the destruction of the past age. And the giants. And the Nephilim. And the great men on Earth. I saw its destruction. And I came through it with your great-grandfather. And he's telling him about the ways of Elohim on his, on his leg, you know? And Abraham grows up in this land of paganism. And then what happens when he, becomes a, when he becomes a man? He now hears the voice of the God that his grandfather spoke about. And he hears the voice of Elohim. And Elohim is telling him to do something. He's telling him to get out of his country. He's telling him to be different. Now this is crazy stuff, as I just said, to leave the land and to do things differently. But what's the lesson here is this. We need to embrace different. It is only crazy to those timid souls who are mundanely average. Abraham was different. He wasn't average. The nation of Israel was different. It wasn't average. It was a chosen people above all the people of planet Earth. And when you're different and you're living and residing around people that are mundanely, boringly, timidly, basic and average, you're going to be different. And you're going to look different. You're going to act different. It's just going to be a different experience. He says you are a strange and peculiar people, a holy priesthood. 
He says that we are to be a blessing unto the earth. He says that Israel, which we are grafted into, is going to be a light. He says, arise, shine, for thy light has come. The glory of the Lord has risen upon you. He says that the nations, the Gentiles, will come to your light and see your light. If we have the worship team, come on down, please. Throughout the ages, you know, Jewish people, throughout the ages, they, they, I mean, everything, they ate different, they dressed different, they believed different, they prayed different. They had a call to be a light unto the nations, and, you know, in, in different time periods, the nations could not handle the light. So they tried to literally, physically extinguish the light. But we are to be light. Light is different than darkness. Darkness cannot even explain light. But what's interesting is darkness seems to be drawn onto the light. Actually, in science, we know that there's no such thing as darkness, right? There's just the absence of light. There's actually no thing called darkness. It doesn't exist. It's not a thing. Darkness does not exist. Light does exist, and without light, there's just nothing. What's so peculiar here is that we are to be the light of the world, and the loss is to be the darkness. But when the light comes into a place, darkness needs to go because it isn't even a thing. But the only way that you can expose that darkness is no thing is when light shows up. When goodness, when the love of God, when the power and the anointing of God shows up, darkness has got to go. A very common scripture verse when we deal with Abraham is this. So Romans chapter 4 verse 20 says, Because of Abraham's faith, it was accounted unto him as righteousness. You guys ever hear that, that, that verse before? And everyone wants to talk about that. Faith, faith, faith. Because of Abraham's faith, it was accounted unto him as righteousness. It's beautiful, it's awesome, it's powerful. It's only half the story. It's only half the story. He had faith to listen to a voice that spoke to him, crying out loud, if God spoke to me audibly, is that really a lot of faith? Like, he spoke, I heard him speak. I don't know if there's much faith there. Like, if someone was lost in the world and not saved, then God's like, hello. And the earth shattered. And he spoke. That's not really faith. It's not faith, he just spoke. It's like, man, I wish that could happen to me. What is the faith? The faith is Abraham lech lecha. Get out from the land of your fathers. Go to a place I haven't shown you yet. That is the place of faith. I believe there's many people in the church today around the world that have faith. They have awesome faith. But they still live in the land of earth. They believe in Jesus. They have faith and belief in Him, but they still live in their Father's land. And how do you know if you live in your Father's land? You know if you live in your Father's land if you don't have to use faith to walk. 
If you're not having to be led by the Spirit of God. It's very easy to just do the right thing. To be a son of Abram or the son of Abraham and still live in the land of Ur. But to go from Ur to the land of promise takes faith. It takes action. You literally have to walk. And I believe the Lord is calling for this church to prophetically do that. Like if you live and you're still living in the land of earth, you may believe in Jesus, but you're not walking out in action and faith to believe the impossible things for this region. It's time to get out of earth. It's time to walk into a land, into what you don't even know what it looks like yet. When full revival explosion breaks out in the region, I don't know what it's going to look like. But I know the Lord is calling us as a church body to walk there. To get there. To step out in faith to get there. And that's going to be, you are going to have to, even amongst your church brothers and sisters, you will have to be a tribe that embraces different. We're different. We think different. We believe different things. We put different things in our mouth. We say different things. We stay at church maybe in a different kind of manner. We stop church and invite people up to pray and cast out devils. Instead of watching TV one night, we're out there fasting on our knees with the family, praying for the Holy Ghost revival. Instead of bringing our kids right down to, to, to kids' church, we allow them, we allow them to engage in the presence of God. And sometimes it's a little crazy, and sometimes it's a little weird, but how beautiful are the children that come unto me, says Jesus. We got it, we just got to be different. And you just got to take that pill. And you just got to say, man, I am different. I'm no longer staying in Ur. I'm no longer staying in Ur. Now, you, some of you can stay in Ur and just believe in Jesus and stay amongst that tribe. But I'm saying the Lord has called us to be a tribe of a people in the wilderness, a people that hear His voice, who are led by Him, by a pillar of fire, by a cloud, to a better place, to a better land. It takes real faith. A faith of the unknown. The faith of, I'm just believing because you've spoken it to be true. That's this tribe. Embrace different. In closing up, 1 Peter chapter 2. First Peter. Chapter 2. But. But you are a chosen generation. A royal priesthood. A holy nation. Come on. Just think about that, man. We're chosen. To be holy and separate and different than the rest of the sons of Adam. How precious it is to be not normal. To be unique, uniquely precious and holy before you. Woo! His own special people. The God of the universe is saying that this tribe is special. That you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Who were once not a people 
but now are. Now the people of God, a part of the tribe of Abraham, who had not obtained mercy, but now have attained mercy. Beloved, I beg. This isn't like, go do it. This is, I beg. This is Peter, the fisherman, walking on water, who denied Jesus three times, says, I beg of you. Be sojourners or pilgrims on this earth. Abstain from the fleshly lusts which war against the soul. I beg you to be a pilgrim. I beg you to be different. To embrace the different. That's the call. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you that we are a holy people, a chosen people. We were once not a people because we were of the goyim, we were of the nations. But because of the blood of Jesus, we can be adopted into the sons of Abraham. A tribe of different, a tribe of peculiarity, a tribe of holiness and chosenness. A people that think different, walk different, act different. A peculiar people unto normal souls. But Father, right now I pray for the timid souls in here. Those souls who are afraid to be different. Lord, I speak to their soul, man. I speak to their soul woman right now. And we say, be released and embrace the difference that is on your life. Father, we want a people that do not settle for 211, but we want to be a people that are yearning for 212. Father, we believe the impossible. Lord, we know that revival breaking out in this region of the world outside of the Bible Belt is not entirely plausible in the natural. But it is possible by the Spirit of God. And Lord, we just continue to invite you into this holy adventure that we're all on at this church. And we just say, Spirit of God, you are allowed to have your way. Bring in the lost. Bring in the hurting. Let your fire come. Let your glory fall. Let the idols be broken. Let us be a strange and peculiar people because that's what you call this to. But I pray that instead of shrinking back, instead of trying to hide that difference, that we'd wear it with a badge of honor once again. That we would embrace it and show the lost what light looks like. In Jesus' name, amen. I invite you to stay in the presence of the Lord if you like to worship. We also have refreshments as usually downstairs, but I just want to invite you if if you believe that you are a person of faith, but you're still just residing in the land of Ur, meaning that you haven't really stepped out into the unknown and believed God for the impossibilities, I just want you to come down. I just want to lay hands on you. I want to pray for you. Because we need to get out of the land of Ur. We need to get out of the land of Ur as a body, a corporate body, but also as individuals. 
So I just invite you to come on down for that. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you, to, uh, see you hopefully downstairs. And remember, Board of Elders, we do have a board meeting today. Have a wonderful week.